down from a broken sky Traced out by the city lights My world from a mile high Best seat in the house tonight Touch down on the cold black top Hold on for the sudden stop Breathe in the familiar shock of confusion and chaos All those people going somewhere Why have I never cared? Give me your eyes for just one second Give me your eyes so I can see Everything that I keep missing Give me your love for humanity Give me your arms for a broken hearted Was it far beyond my reach? Give me your heart for the ones forgotten Give me your eyes so I can see Jay. Step out on a busy street See a girl in our eyes meet Does her best to smile at me To hide what's underneath There's a man just to her right Black suit and a bright red tie Too ashamed to tell his wife He's out of work, he's buying time All those people going somewhere Why have I Give me your eyes for just one second Give me your eyes so I can see Everything that I keep missing Give me your love for humanity Give me your arms for the broken hearted Ones that are far beyond my reach Give me your heart for the ones forgotten Give me your eyes so I can see Yeah Couple of million eyes just moving past me by. I swear I never thought that I was wrong. Well, I want a second chance, so give me a second chance to see the way you've seen the people all along. Give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see everything that I keep missing. Give me your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. Give me your eyes. Just one second. Lord, give me your eyes so I can see. For everything that I keep missing. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted. Give me your heart. be seated and good morning to each and every one of you as we gather in God's house. Uh, he is worthy of all the praise that we can muster up because he is loving, kind, compassionate. He knows what we're going through and he's there beside us. What a gracious God. I want to welcome everyone, uh, especially our guests. We're glad you're with us in worship. Uh, we do want to know that you're here and so if you uh, if you would, there's two ways to let us know you're here. One, you could stop at the family gathering area, um, next steps, and you can let us know. We'd love to meet you there. You can also um, text 1C guest to 94,000, and that will come to us, and then we can answer questions. So do that if you would. Also, if you have a prayer request and that you would like included in worship today, um, I'm not going to remember the number, and we don't have this. I'm, I'm going to be talking about this in a moment. Anybody want to tell me what the number is? It's 402. Yeah? 242. Yep. 5051. Thank you very much. Um, I, I, I read it every single week, and I look at it. So a prayer of thanksgiving, prayer of concern, if you would text it to that number, which is? 
402-242-5051. Very good. We will have it, and you can, uh, we'll include your prayer today. If you're on Facebook Live, uh, you can even put it in the comments section. Um, and again, it'll come to us, and we'll be able to do uh, the prayers. Also, a little later, we're going to have communion. Here at 1C, we believe that this is bread and wine, or juice, and the body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. So, again, if this is your belief, if this is what God has brought to uh, your uh, framework of, of your walk with Jesus, we'd like to, for you to be a part of this. And if you didn't get the elements before the service, during the next song, you can make your way into family gathering area right by the kitchen window, and you can get these elements and be ready for that in a little bit. Last but not least, hopefully you received a sermon outline that's going to be especially important today uh, because we're having technical difficulties. So you're not going to see the words up there for the songs, and you won't see the words up there for the sermon. So this is going to be important for you to be able to follow along. So if you did not get one of these, uh, they're available um, on the table right outside of these doors, and then you could be ready for that. So, guess what? Even though we have technical difficulties, God is with us. And we're going to worship and celebrate his grace for you and me and for this world. Let's worship. As we look at prayer this morning, um, let's take a look 
at 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15, boys and girls. And it's a really great verse. It tells us, it says, The Lord says to you, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the battle is, your, is not yours, but God's. So here we say, see that, that prayer is like God covering us in his armor. We don't have to be afraid or discouraged because the battle belongs to God and not us. And he protects us, he covers us, and, and watches over us. And there's a scene from Iron Man 3. I don't know if you've seen it or not. But there's a scene where Tony Stark um, is getting ready, uh, he's getting attacked. So there's these fighter helicopters that come flying in, and they shoot a missile at his house, and this, this missile blows up, and Tony Stark and Pepper go flying through the air. And as they're flying through the air, Tony Stark goes like this, and he shoots his, uh, or calls his armor to come to Pepper and cover her. So as Pepper's flying through the air, the armor comes and covers her and protects her, and then she falls to the ground, and she's safe. And then she goes running over to Tony and says, I've got you. And then Tony says, I got you first. And that's a great picture of what prayer is like. So just as Tony covered Pepper in his armor, when we pray to God, he covers us. He protects us. And the battle is his, not ours. So we don't have to be afraid or discouraged. That scene is also a beautiful picture of what Jesus is like. Because just as Tony was willing to sacrifice himself for Pepper, Jesus sacrificed himself for us. He gave his life for us on the cross and died for us so that we could be saved, we could be protected, and that we could live with him forever. So just as Second Chronicles chapter 20, uh, verse 15 says, The Lord says to you, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the battle is not yours but God's. So we don't have to be afraid or discouraged, boys and girls, because the battle belongs to God, and he covers us with his armor. He protects us and watches over us because he's got us. All right, let's pray. You can repeat after me. Heavenly Father, you are a God of love and a God of power. Thank you for fighting for us, for saving us and protecting us. Amen. Letting go of every single dream, I lay each one down at your feet.
Isn't it great when we, we put our trust in God? He is always faithful when we do that. Uh, but the part that's a uh, part of the problem is we don't always trust in him. Sometimes we think we know better. We kind of do our own thing. We uh, ignore him. And I think what God wants us to do today and every day is consider our sin, but consider his forgiveness. So I think as we pray to him now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lift up a prayer and I'm going to pray on behalf of all of us that, you know, we are sinners and we need his grace. So let's pray. Oh Lord, your desire is that we do but our trust in you. Your desire is that we would put you number one. And yet, my sin, our sin, causes us um, not to keep you number one. Not to trust in you all the time. So we humbly come before you this morning. And, and we confess, yes, we sin against you. Yes, we go our own way. And yes, we are desperately in need of forgiveness. Of your mercy. Of your grace. So as your people, we rejoice. We rejoice that because of your son Jesus, because of all that he did 2,000 years ago, and because of what he does right here, right now, we can have forgiveness. And I love the way your scripture tells us what you do. You take away our sin as far as the east is from the west, and you remember our sin no more. Oh, how glorious. Thank you. Thank you for all that you've done and continue to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I hope you know that, that forgiveness. I hope you know the peace that comes from that forgiveness in Jesus. Because it is the peace that can calm our hearts. It's the peace that enables us to live each day with a confidence and a boldness. That he loves you, he loves me, and he'll never leave us. May that good news just resonate in your heart, not just here right now, but as you go out afterward into this world we live in. Amen. songs I sing take away all the lies and all the songs you let me write does the one I am today say the words you need to say let them see
Please take the elements out at this time. Uh, what I'm going to start with is I'm going to share from the Bible, the scriptures, the words of Jesus that we have recorded. Remember, he was in that upper room. He and the disciples were gathered together to celebrate the Passover meal, and it was commanded by God that they do this. But in this meal, at this time, he gave a whole new meaning and significance. It wasn't just a meal to remember the past. It was a meal for the present and the future. To be reminded that he's going to be with us. To be reminded that he forgives us. To be reminded that he loves us. So we, we find in scripture, our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And then in the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, which is given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. So if you would, take the bread. And take and eat. This is the body of Christ given for you. Then if you would take the wine or the juice. And then take and drink. This is the blood of Jesus shed for you. And now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Strengthen and preserve you steadfast in the one true faith to life everlasting. Depart in peace. Amen. Jesus, we acknowledge this morning that prayer is a privilege and that you have given it to us so that we can come into your presence with anything and everything that's on our hearts. And so with that, we bring you the prayers of your people this morning. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Prayers for medical answers on Thursday. Prayers for Brenda Spinks and the Spinks family. Rest in peace, Leon. Lord, please put your healing hands on Tanner Nelson and calm his fears. Restore his body to complete health. Prayers that Deb will find answers to her medical issues. Jesus, a prayer of thanksgiving for little Bentley who is celebrating his second birthday today. A prayer to keep a husband lifted up as he has been added to the transplant, transplant list. Jesus, give me strength to continue the journey that I am on to be a better person. And Lord, a prayer for those who are suffering with illnesses and disease. May you touch them, bring healing. A continued prayers for the mending of our family. Jesus, please soften my heart and help me to forgive those who have hurt me. And finally, Lord, a prayer that all those who have COVID, that you will help them recover. And also that people who don't know you, that they would find you and walk the life of faith. We know you've heard us. We are ever so grateful. We're grateful for what we've spoken. We're grateful for what you hear in our hearts as unspoken. And so as we close out our time of prayer, we bring to you the prayer that you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory 
forever and ever. Amen. Amen and amen. You know, week after week, uh, I have the privilege of, of, of listening to these prayers, you know, that you submit. And I'm often over here, and I'm hearing one prayer after another. Some are prayers of thanksgiving, but a lot of them are really people praying for God to do something in their life. And, and I'll use the phrase that we've been talking about during the 40 days of prayer. Praying for a breakthrough. Praying for God to do something with a circumstance. And uh, we know God is faithful. We know he is, he is faithful beyond understanding. And so we're going to take a journey today, and we're going to take a look at Scripture, and we're going to land in two different places, particularly Chronicles. And once upon a time, that was just one big book, and then it was divided in two, and so we're going to be walking around that a little bit. Then we're going to make our way into the book of Philippians. And the Apostle Paul uh, was the writer of Philippians, and he wanted people to understand what joy is and where you get it. And so we're going to go there, we're going to see that, and we're going to walk through that. So if you would, take out your insert, and would you join me in reading out loud 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. So if you have that with you, would you please join me in reading this out loud together. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. And that's from Second Chronicles chapter 7. A uh, little context to that verse so you understand. Uh, Solomon, just, you know, the temple was built. Solomon is now offering a prayer, and he is pleading before God um, to, to do his thing. Uh, if you want to read just exciting stuff, read Chronicles. I know it, it can seem long and stuff, but there are bits and pieces of the story of God's activity in the life of his people. We see in Chronicles God keeping his promise that through his people, his chosen people, the Messiah will come. Great book or great books, if you want to call it that. But, you know, you see on the, the thing I have, the if-then. I don't know if you've experienced if-then moments. But I have, maybe as parents, you've done it with your kids. Like, if you clean your room, then something good, maybe, right? Or when I was a kid, I would hear the other side of it. If you would do this, then you're going to have punishment. You're going to be grounded or whatever. I think this verse sets it up for us. I think there's a fork in the road. And the conditional sentence that says, if then, is for us today. Now, understand context. This really was written for God's people before. It was for the children of Israel, those specific people. But I think there are principles that we can learn today from Second Chronicles 7 and also some of the other verses we're going to take a look at. If then. And notice the attitude that is lifted before us today, the attitude of humility. And then it's described. Humble themselves, right? Seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. I think what God is getting at is, you know, if there's one thing in particular that's going to get in the way of any breakthrough in our life, it's my pride, your pride. And I go back to a story 16 years ago. It's one, when I really am thinking about it, it still brings tears to my eyes. It's not a really great moment in Jim Thielen history. Uh, the story, I'll give you just a brief thing. Um, my parents moved into our house, okay? My mom passed away. My dad was still with us. And he got Alzheimer's, and it was getting worse. And my loving wife would come to me in the most gentlest way and say, Jim, I think, um, I think your dad needs a little bit more care than we can provide. And she is struggling with it because she loves my dad and wants the best for my dad. But me, not in humility, but in pride, I can do anything. 
And so I stepped up my game. I did whatever she was asking or whatever she thought was the needed care, so I thought. It just kept getting worse. And I wouldn't listen necessarily carefully to my wife because my pride was getting in the way. And then finally, it got so bad with my dad that some other people got involved and came to talk to me and pray with me that I would see that my dad needed more care. I think in our life today, there are times where God just says, turn to me, okay? My definition of humble or humility is this, knowing who we are and knowing who God is, the truth of it, right? The truth of it. The truth of us are, we're sinners at best, but the truth about God is he is all loving, all kind, all powerful. He can do anything and everything because of who he is. When we understand that, we live in that space of humility. When we forget that, pride comes in, and then all of a sudden, we can do better than God. And then we miss out on his blessings. So I really think this setup of if then is if you and me in our journey of life would understand and live in humility, then all sorts of things are going to happen. If not, we're going to miss them. And the story here was, if you're humble, seek my face, turn from your wicked ways, then, I'll hear, then, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins, I'll heal their land. Great things will happen when we in humility listen carefully to God. So, I want to take you on a journey, two stories, two kings in the Old Testament, Chronicles um, has a lot of great stories with this. The first one is about David. David, a man after God's own heart. God has called him to serve as the leader of his people because they wanted a king. They wanted a king in the worst way. They wanted to be like the other nations. And so David steps up. Now, this is what I find that happens. Often when God is about to do a really great thing, Trouble comes. And I'll just say the, the, um, the author of trouble is Satan himself. So we look into this story, and we find now David is now king. And now what we find here, if we can, just uh, follow with me, First Chronicles 14. When the Philistines, powerful, powerful people with a big army, very dangerous. So just don't underestimate who the Philistines are. They learned that David had been made king of Israel. They mobilized all their forces against him to attack and enslave him. Now get this. But David heard the news. And he moved to his fortified place. Then the Philistine army moved in and spread out across the entire valley. And if you would just picture a valley, right? You know, probably mountains around it. They were like encircled. Um, they were... Uh, they're surrounded. Doesn't really look good. So David sought the Lord in prayer. Okay. He asked, should I go fight these Philistines? Will you give them over to me? The Lord replied, yes. Go ahead. You can certainly count on me to give you the victory. So David went out and defeated them. Then David said, I watched the Lord break through my enemies like a mighty flood. So he named the place the Lord broke through. Now you see on the, the sheet, I put down three words. And I'm, I just want you to capture these three because I need things simple too. When trouble comes, it's not if, it's when. We can learn from the story of King David Three important things we should do. Number one, move. Move to a fortified place. Move to a place that you will find strength and perspective. And I don't know what exactly that was for David, but I'll just tell you what it is for me. When I am in trouble, I have my guitar on a stand right by my chair. And I will pick that up and I will play, uh, play praise music. I have my Bible out, and it's open all the time. 
And when I'm in trouble, I really, really, really try to go to the word of God so I can find strength and hope and peace. Now, do I always? Nope. Because just like with my wife, sometimes I try to fix things myself. I don't go to him first and foremost. I don't go to that fortified place. But look what, he, what again, David did. He, he sought the Lord. And so when we're in trouble, when we have trial and tribulation, when we need a breakthrough, we need to seek the creator of the heavens and the earth. Powerful enough to make the heavens and the earth, but personal enough to know specifically what breakthrough you need and when you need it. Because I always find God's timing is perfect. And yet the trouble is sometimes my timing and God's timing, they don't quite match up. I think I know better. But if we go back to the Second Chronicles 7 thing is being humble means trusting that God's timing is always right and always perfect. And know that he's going to do his thing. In fact, when you, you look at this, what did David do when he was thinking about the situation with the Philistines? He asked God about it. What should I do? And I think we can learn from that. Instead of Googling first, Maybe we go to God first. Okay. And then third is to trust. I mean, for me, that's... Um, Jesus touched on this when he talked about who can enter the kingdom of heaven. Is it going to be the Pharisees and the smart people? He says, unless you have the faith of a little child, you won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. In other words, have that childlike faith that just knows and believes that God is going to do his thing with whatever breakthrough you're needing. And even if you sit back and say, I just can't do it any longer. I can't handle this anymore. I don't see any hope. I feel helpless. Land on the place that says, okay, God, it's in your hands. And for David, that's what he had to do against the Philistines. So move, seek, trust. Now, another story from 2 Chronicles 20, another king, all right, and his name is Jehoshaphat. It goes like this. After this, three enemies joined forces against Judah. Now, that's not good, just so you know. And the, and the name of the groups, I mean, they're all ites. I always say Ammonites and Midites. But there's three armies bigger than the children of Israel now coming together to come against God's people. So it, it, once again, it doesn't look good. And the messengers told the king, a vast army is coming against you. Alarmed and afraid, which I get it. Maybe you've been in a moment like that when circumstances seem pretty overwhelming. King Jehoshaphat resolved to seek the Lord. Then he proclaimed a fast for everyone. So all of people came together to seek help from the Lord. They came from everywhere to seek God. Now I put down three words for us to consider the word resolved and seek and fast. I don't know about you, there are times in my faith life I can be a little nonchalant. Even if it's a big thing that's coming at me. I'll, but you see with Jehoshaphat, he had a circumstance, a situation that was so big and so life-challenging. Um, he had a resolve. He was focused in on God. And he knew that the only way he's going to get through it is by God's gift and God's grace and God's mercy. And so we find him, again, seeking the Lord, turning to him. But then the third word I have there is fast. And I don't know what you think about fasting. I'm going to give you my definition. It's really simple. Stop one thing in order to do another thing. Like, what do you mean? Well, for some people, fasting has to do with eating, right? And it means instead of eating, you know, and using the time to eat, you use it to be in the word or to, in, to be in prayer. So it's exchanging one thing for another. But it's really important when you exchange one thing, you do something of significance and meaning. For some people, it might mean um, maybe you're a movie watcher and you like to watch like three movies, you know, a week. Maybe it means because of this breakthrough that you need, because of, um, 
you need to put a little bit of focus into it. You say no to those three movies, and you take that hour and a half or two hours each, six hours, we'll say, and you put it into reading scripture, praying, and listening to God. And that's what Jehoshaphat asked for the entire group of people to do. In other words, don't get distracted with the world. Don't even get distracted with the three armies that are coming up against you. And isn't that what we often do? You know, when trouble comes, we just look at the trouble. Instead, I think we're learning from this king, let's focus in on God and his power, his might, his promise, and see what he has to say in our circumstance. All right? Two stories, two illustrations. Now we go to the uh, backside of it. We're going to look into Philippians. Uh, backdrop to it, remember, uh, this is one of the letters that Paul has written to a church in Philippi. Um, it's one of his jail letters. So he's in jail and he's writing. Uh, several of the, the letters he wrote in jail were actually to correct the churches. This one is not to correct the church. Philippi, it's, the church is doing okay. But I really believe that he, what he wants is for them to understand about joy. What is joy and how do you get joy? And so we're going to narrow in a little bit. You know, there's uh, several chapters we could look at, but we're going to just look at chapter 4, and we're going to look at what Paul is encouraging them. So example, he starts out with these words. Do not worry about anything. And I'll stop there. Do not worry about anything. Isn't it amazing? Statistics say we worry about, so 80% of what we worry about, we have no control over. Let me say that again, because that's you, that's me, that's this world we live in. 80% of what we worry about, which means putting our focus on, okay, we have no control over. And even after I give you that statistic, you're going to go from here and still do 80%. You're going to waste your time like I'm going to waste my time worrying about something that we have no control over. In fact, I have um, worry is focusing on my fears instead of God. Or how about Romans 8? Thinking that is controlled by my sinful nature leads to death. Thinking controlled by the Spirit leads to life and peace. So picture that warfare that goes on inside of all of us. The warfare that whispers in one ear, you know, worry about this. Obsess over this. Be focused on this. And then the other one, led by the Spirit of God, says trust. Seek. Resolve. Right? So, First thing we're supposed to do is to pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pr uh, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Philippians 4, 6b. Prayer about everything. Does God care about everything? The answer is yes. He is in tune with every breath we take, every thought we make every moment that we're moving in and through. And he cares about that. And he has a desire for us, right, to, to put our trust in him above everything. So that's why we could pray to him at any time about anything. And if you remember last week when Randy was preaching, he talked about praying throughout the day. I love that concept. Make it just part of the rhythm of who you are and it's not just something you do within four walls of a church. Or it's not something that you just do when you're getting ready to eat and you bow your head. That's really good to do. But can you imagine if you would pray? I mean, example. Many years ago, somebody told me of one of their practices. Whenever they see an ambulance, they pray. Because most likely, that ambulance is coming either from or to a circumstance a situation where somebody has need. That's just an example where we could pray about everything, even if we don't know the specifics. Or maybe you're sitting here today and you've got something really big, and, and often we think that's something worth praying about, but even the little things, whatever you consider little, God considers important because that's the kind of God we have. He loves us and listens to us. 
All right, some other scriptures to support that. 1 Peter 5, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about what happens to you. Or Psalm 88, every day, Lord, I lift my hands to you in prayer, and I call to you. I mean, if you want encouragement on turning to the Lord, go to the book of Psalms, 150 of them, that will encourage us in this relationship and turning to God. All right, secondly, thank God in everything. Uh, verse 6c, ask God for whatever you need, but always do it with thanksgiving, asking him with a thankful for heart for all that he's done. First Thessalonians 5, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Or Psalm 116, I will offer you my sacrifice of thanksgiving. Now, this is part that I think I'll even struggle with. How can you give God thanks for cancer? How, how can you give God thanks when maybe you go through a really rough relationship and you're not quite sure what's going to happen? How can you give God thanksgiving when more money is going out of your house than coming in and it's just getting worse and you don't see any hope? I mean, is Paul being ridiculous? And the answer is yes. Because the ridiculous is, part is not what's going on in this world. I mean, it is. But I, I'll say this. God's love and the way he meets our needs and the way he navigates is ridiculous. Just when we think we have him understood and we think this is what, he just blows our mind. Remember the Ephesians passage? I think it was four, three weeks ago I shared. God can do immeasurably more than we can ever begin to imagine. He is so big, so awesome. So gracious, so merciful. He knows what you're going through, and he loves you with an everlasting love. So when we're going through something, we know he's going to work together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. We may not see it now. We may not even see it on this earth. But God's faithful through and through. So pray about everything. Thank God in everything. And then the third one, stay focused on true things. Fix your thoughts on things that are true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. And fill your mind with thoughts that are excellent and worthy of praise. Fix your thoughts. I'll just say it's hard to do. Not, I've talked with lots of people over the years of ministry and some people will come into my office and they'll say, I just, you know what, I've got so many thoughts in my head that aren't good. I've been through so much, I've seen so much, and, and I, I'm bombarded by it. And I'm going to bring it back to, to my moment. So we'll just say 16 years ago. There are still times today when I believe the enemy whispers into my ear and saying, Jim, you were a jerk. What you did was unforgivable, not listening to your wife. And yet what God says is, I will take your sin as far as the east is from the west, and I will remember them no more. So I think for you and me, and for as God's people, we need to encourage each other. As we go through life, and as things come bombarding us, we fix our eyes on the truth that in Jesus Christ, there's forgiveness. In Jesus Christ, there's hope. In Jesus Christ, there's peace. And then in Philippians, right? In Jesus Christ, there's true joy. And joy will be eternal. Okay. All right, Philippians 4, 7. So we back up a verse. It says, if you do this, you'll experience God's peace, which is far more powerful than we can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and emotions at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. And then I have two more verses. And I put those down because as we, we're going to be entering Lent soon, right? So next week is, they call it Transfiguration Sunday. And I'll explain that next week so you want to come back and hear that. Uh, but then we go into the season of Lent. It's the time of the year where we see Jesus, um, that little baby that was born in a manger. He's now grown up. He's had three and a half years of ministry and mission is now going to go and do the unthinkable. 
He's going to give his life to be the payment for sin. So he goes ultimately into Jerusalem. He knows what's going to happen. And we find him in that upper room. Remember when I talked about that with the Passover meal. And then after the meal, he goes out into the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm guessing a lot is on his mind. He knows what's going to happen. He's going to be betrayed by a friend. He's going to be arrested by a mob. He's going to be put on trial. Just a, a, a mockery of a trial. Then he's going to be beaten. He's going to be placed onto a cross and then ultimately into a tomb. So he knows he's got that in front of him. And yet, do you, do you hear his heart in these next verses? So he says, going a little farther, uh, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And a couple more verses we find, he went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. He has a sense of, uh, he, he's resolved, Right? He's resolved to bring salvation into this world. He is resolved to do the unthinkable so that we can have a breakthrough. The ultimate breakthrough is forgiveness of sins in Jesus and eternal life with him. But there's also this breakthrough that says, as we go through life and as we have the bumps and bruises of life, he's going to be right by us. That's a beautiful breakthrough. He will never leave us or forsake us. So my challenge for all of us today as we consider um, this need for a breakthrough, number one, give thanks that he's already done it. And then pray, number two, that you would keep those things in mind more often than you ever have before. And then thirdly, tell others. Tell others what he has done for you because other people are literally dying for a breakthrough. And may God give us the faith and his spirit to do this for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you now to stand as I share with you the words of blessing that come from God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
serve the Lord. And it's why I sing your praise. 